Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Beckelin Pyrkis hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to. Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. <laughs> Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the most is Munoz, and it's the holiday season and opti do and hickory dock. I like to suck some or uh, any. <laughs> oh, well, the, the gaiety of it all continues. And yes, I still think I'm the funniest person I know. Why? Because I have been alone for months. <laughs> Hopefully we all have made it through Thanksgiving unscathed and healthy and mentally healthy, physically healthy, all of that. Uh, Thanksgiving was very lovely and very tiny, uh, but it was, it was good to see my mom and be with my mom. And so the quarantining and like the three tests I got before I saw her was was well worth it just to have that moment uh, with her. Oh my God, exciting things. Can you even believe that it is December, y'all? It's something like, what, 34, 34, 38 days till my 40th birthday. It's dwindling down and dwindling down quickly, peoples. Some exciting news and some things to remind you of. I have really fabulous sparkly stickers that I want to send you for free. If you want one, just send me, slide into my DMs, right? And I will totally send you one. Slap a stamp on it. They're yours. I want them out of my hands and into yours. More than happy to do that. Other exciting news. Every Christmas, I do something called uh, Operation Santa. It's out of the United States Postal Service. And what they do, in short, is they collect uh, letters from uh, children to Santa from like needier areas. And you can go and play Santa, you know, and then you buy all the things on the um, on their letter and you wrap it and then you bring it back uh, packaged and whatnot with a code. And then the post office safely ships it off to these children in need. I have been doing it forever. I even led an initiative to bring Operation Santa to uh, Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands after Hurricane Maria, and that was a big deal too. Um, and now they have an entire documentary that's actually coming out this Friday, December 4th, called Dear Santa. And yours truly has a Eight minutes, I think. It's something like eight minutes, but it's a very sappy eight minutes. It's well worth the watch. Uh, it's via IFC and video on demand, Vimeo on demand. Just search Dear, Dear Santa, or if you're from Brooklyn, Dear Santa, and <laughs> you'll find it. Very exciting things happening this month. Um, and I'm just excited to still be kicking and here with you. And speaking of exciting things and the holidays, I am so excited for today's guest because not only do the gay liberties keep 
just coming on the pod. But this one is from across the pond, everybody. Please <laughs> join me in welcoming Loa, the only from Cardiff, Wales, all the way from Cardiff, Cardiff, Wales. He flew in and boy, are his arms tired. The one, the only Mikey Bell. Say hi, Mikey. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you all right? <laughs> that was such a long flight. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, you, but it was like flight of the Concords. You were here so quickly. <laughs> hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> well, I totally forgot I was actually a guest on this podcast because I listened to you so much. I was listening, I listened to it in my ears and I was listening to it. And I was like, oh no, he's talking about me now. I was, <laughs> I was listening to it like it was your podcast. Oh, <laughs> I well, A, I, I love that. You just gave me goosebumps because, um, you know, this podcast is a labor of love and more often than not, the guests that I have on all be everyone fabulous. You know, everyone's just busy and podcast people are very like specific types of people. You have to like talk radio. So more often than not, they kind of like either haven't heard the pod or just dipped in for a quick second to to figure out the vibe. So like, thank you for listening. I'm a fan. And thank you for being on B. So I'm really, I'm really excited to have you on here. And that intro was a little long because there was just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of business to get. I feel like more and more as as this podcast grows, there's just more business in the front. <laughs> I was hoping I, I, I was hoping you was going to do the rap live for me. <laughs> uh, well, no, that's <laughs> you got you got to show me the money for that, honey. <laughs> Even when you said I got goosebumps, I know that's at the end of it. I was waiting for the, ooh, I got goosebumps. Yes. Ooh, I got goosebumps. Uh, shout out to you, Justin Quackenbush, the voice of In Your Mouth. Well, before we get anywhere and move on, uh, in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, Mikey, I want to wish you a happy National Fritters Day. Yes. <laughs> the happiest day ever. Uh, is it, though? Fritters. What kind of fritters do you like? It has to be potato-based, gotta be. I mean, I wouldn't settle for anything other than a fried potato. Now, wait a minute. Is a Welsh fritter different than an American fritter? We have to start there, I guess. What's an, what's an American fritter? Uh, a, an American fritter? Like, you can have, like... Um, you know, you could have sweet fritters or you could have savory fritters. You know? Oh, I would think of that a fritter as, like, a... A potato that you grate and then you mix it up with some egg and then you fry it. So it's almost like a fried oh. hash brown. Oh, no, 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 dear. No, those are latkes. Oh, not here. I'm so glad I flew <laughs> over. I'm so glad I flew over here. <laughs> I, love, I love that. Uh, in your mouth, listeners, you should have seen his face when he said the word latka. He was like, what's a latka? Right? <laughs> um, especially from New York. You know, I feel like I'm... I'm honorary in the Jewish faith growing up in Brooklyn. Like you're like automatically just absorbed into the beautiful Jewish culture uh, because it's such a big part of New York City, um, especially Brooklyn. And latkes are, you know, they're like potato, potato fritters, if you will. Yeah, fried, right? Yeah, fried. Like, uh, oh, so but, it's just gotta be good. But pan fried, not deep fried. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. I'm, I, I have uh, an immense phobia of... Uh, deep oils. I, I, you won't find me deep frying anything. So, oh, really? a shallow fried. Yeah, no, I'm petrified. Oh well, here, here it is. You know, thread into the fabric of our country. Deep fried food. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we could have vegetable fritters. I feel like there's like seafood fritters. Conch. Ooh, conch fritters. Have you ever had conch fritters? No. What's what's conch? Like a monkey. Conch? No. Uh, is that king Kong? No, not like a no conch, C O N C H. What's that? It's a, it's a fish. It's like a spiky fish. Is it? Is it? A, uh, no, a conch isn't a spiky fish. It comes in the shell, uh, that big like shell that if you put it up to your ear, you can hear the ocean. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> conch fritters, they're delicious. Well, Happy for a day. <laughs> as he takes a sh- uh, a sip of his champagne. <laughs> 
he's but like, I just got off that flight. I got he's like, something. it was a long flight, and this is going to be a long interview <laughs> <laughs> of cultural differences. Um, you actually have lucked out because apparently, according to Foodimentary, where I get all my national food holidays from, it's also the feast of Saint Bilbania. Whom? Yeah, exactly. Oh. I hope he's enjoying his fritters somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> he gets to share such a beautiful day. I, I, I mean, I guess Saint, not Saint Bilbania, Saint Bibania, Bibania, by <laughs> by curious, <laughs> by curious, by coastal, bye bye. Or maybe is it Saint by Bi, Bibiana is a robe is a Roman virgin and martyr. The, the earliest mention in authentic historical authority occurs in the Liber Pontificalis. Yeah, okay. And they celebrate uh, by eating fritters. I, I get. I guess. I guess. Well, <laughs> no matter what you celebrate, we are here for this. <laughs> needless to say, <laughs> from here to Wales, and moving yes. right along and calling on the. Our LGBTQ uh, Christmas or holiday ancestors. Did you know that in 2013, this is the first official day that LGBTQ couples in Hawaii, both residents as well as tourists, can marry in the Aloha state? No way. Yeah, isn't that so? 2013. Yeah, not that long wow, ago. Wow, not long ago at all. That's so shocking. I mean, when do we know when gay marriage was is gay marriage legal in Wales? And it when did is, that happen? Yeah. And yeah. when did that happen? Oh god, a while ago. Don't I, I wouldn't know the date, but we are I I feel like we were quite um ahead in that sense. We 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 legalized gay marriage quite a while ago. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's not I'm re- I'm very shocked that 2013 was the, was the Hawaii one. Huh. I I I don't know. I I'm trying to find when when on March 12, 2012, the government of the United Kingdom launched launched the consultation on equal civil marriage in England and Wales. Does that So mean- a year before. <laughs> Yeah, okay. like ages ago. Ages. <laughs> we've, we've had this. We are so, we're, we are such an evolved <laughs> culture. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, let's get to the getting on. In your mouth, listeners, um, if you, if you don't know who Mikey Bell is, uh, I need you, as you listen, to open your Instagrams, go to I am, as in I'm, Mikey Bell on Instagram. And look at the really pretty face, all right? Because I'm staring at the beautiful face as as it is right now on my Zoom call, right? And give him all the likes and give him all the followers. Hello. So just so you know, Mikey Bell is a food writer and brand marketing manager based in Cardiff, South Wales. He is a home cook who shares his realistic and life-friendly recipes to inspire his readers to bring food into their lives to acknowledge the necessary moments that build the rhythm of real living. Like Sammy Davis Jr. once said, it's the rhythm of life. It's a powerful beat. You could feel it in your fingers. You could feel it in your feet. (laughs) He has written for recipes. uh, He has written recipes for magazines such as Buzz and Quench, has been featured in BBC Good Food Magazine, BuzzFeed, the Food Love Hate Waste Campaign, and has had one of his recipes featured as Nigella Lawson's Post of the Week. Yes, drop all the names. I love this. I fell out out of my skin. (laughs) That's my favorite thing I've ever (laughs) I, I, I live. I live. We have to talk about it. Mikey has written three. Three books, including his most recent Christmas-themed collection of recipes, get stuffed. And boy, do I need to get stuffed, that is. (laughs) (laughs) To make the festive food coma worth it with recipes that can be adapted for any party size this holiday season. That was a mouthful, speaking of getting stuffed. (laughs) (laughs) We're Welsh. We love to tell stories. 
I, I love, I've been to Wales. I love Wales. I've had a fabulous time in Wales. The year was 2006, 07. It was a good time. The people are lovely. Good. Yeah, I'm so glad we welcomed you with open arms. We're very... Uh, open we're, arms we're and very, absinthe. Yeah. I think absinthe was the first absinthe. thing I... Absinthe. And wow. they ha- And they had that like traditional setup. Do you know what the traditional absinthe setup is? Like they no. had some really fancy with like the green fancy bottle and the flame and the, I don't, I don't know how it works. I didn't see the fairy though. <laughs> see, absinthe, absinthe always reminds me of my dad who told me that once he went on a rugby tour and he drank absinthe with all the boys and then he fell down a flight of stairs and lost all his teeth. Oh, oh. So I, I absinthe I wouldn't touch with a barge pole, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> did you but just say a, you. did you say a barge pole? Is it not? A bar a barge pole. Um uh, no, i uh, this is gonna be the entire podcast because the between the my huge following now in India, shout out to you, hi India, and uh my big American following, um, I think United Kingdom falls like fourth or fifth. On, oh, my an- uh, on my analytics list. Listen, look at you. Just just coming in on brand. Get stuffed, <laughs> barge pole, get it up. <laughs> <laughs> I see that brand marketing management coming, coming in real handy. <laughs> just, just tone of voice. That's what it's got to be. Now, how large is a barge pole? Uh, well, for absinthe, as long as I can find it. Oh, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so within the first 10 minutes of the pod, we just found out that Mikey Bell is a size queen. <laughs> <laughs> As a toughless father, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start at the very beginning, because uh, this is going to be like an hour and a half of just us cackling, which I live for. Where did this passion of cooking come from? From marketing, uh, from um, marketing management to cooking, which is very interesting because uh, Chef Charles Disa went from marketing also to cooking. Um, give us, give us the tea. How did that happen? Well, I didn't actually go from marketing into food. I'm still very much in marketing. Marketing's my degree. I've been working in it since I graduated, and I still work in it. Um, so that is my day job. Um, so food kind of came as a side hustle, I guess, for lack of a better word. And it was, I always call it a hobby that got out of hand. And I, I always loved writing. It was my, it was my passion. Um, I wrote, like, I'd write on the back of a cigarette packet if I could when I was a child. It was not that I smoked when I was a kid, but, you know, family. And it was just something that I always loved. And I could never actually find anything that I loved enough to finish. So there's so many stories that have gone unfinished. There are um, some really questionable poetry, probably somewhere rocking about in my mother's attic, just some really terrible stuff that I could never really finish because I didn't have much passion for it. And when I lived on my own, I was gifted um, a book, um, a Nigella Lawson cookery book from a lady I worked with. And she was like, oh, read this. You live on your own, start cooking. You've got to cook for yourself, et cetera. And I read the book literally from start to finish as if it was a novel. And I'd never done that with a cookbook. I thought cookbooks was just, you know, a waste of time or a waste of money. And um, I just, I learned everything about this woman, I guess, from her book, everything about her life, everything she felt. And she just told so many stories through her food. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a interesting way to tell stories and to be quite elaborate in your thoughts and how you think about the world. It's just a really um, good prism, you know, to put out, out into the world how you really feel in a really creative way. So I gave it a go and I wrote a, I wrote my first recipe, which was a, um, a really terrible shakshuka. And, um, and before I'd noticed, I'd actually written a story about um, how my grandmother taught me how to cook eggs before I went to university. And she's passed now, but I was like, oh, just through writing this one recipe, I've actually memorial- memorialized the memory of my grandmother. And I've actually written a recipe which could be helpful to somebody and, and was. And I just, it just opened up this, it was like learning to write again. It just opened up this whole new world of writing. And that I just literally just fell in love with it. So yeah, I'm, that's um, fabulous. And I love that story because um, this is where you and I kind of connect. I never considered myself a writer. I went to school for classical voice. I did musical theater forever. And all of a sudden, I had this idea for a cooking show, right? A fabulous cooking show, Mm. big, gay, glee-esque cooking show. And 
I was like, you know, just sitting there waiting for things to happen, waiting for things to happen. And someone was like, you need to start putting out content, start a blog. Now, I never, me, a writer? No. And it became very much that, you know, kind of my life through food. And Mm -hmm. I recently, you probably heard on the pod, I recently tore it all down because a lot of it just doesn't work anymore. It didn't work anymore. The story, the writing didn't work anymore. It was dated. The recipes needed to be reworked and so on and so forth. But one of the biggest things that came out of that popularity over from like 29 to 2012 was people coming up to me yeah, for the recipes, but more for my voice. And and that's what really surprised me was the fact that, oh, people are like, oh, we love your voice? And I was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. What? And, and then I, my, my initial response was, oh, where'd you see me perform? And they're like, no, your blog. Like, we love wow, yeah. your writing voice. And I was like, oh. And so that was really interesting to just see and figure out much like, you're saying as well. And once again, with this podcast, finding my voice again. And so like this trajectory I'm on, right? Starting in classical music, going through blogging and now being this, this fat, your fabulous radio host, you know, and finding my voice (laughs) this way, finding your voice writing wise um, through recipes is, is really interesting and something I definitely can relate to. Yeah, it was a, the, the only way I knew how to approach it was to be as honest as I could when it came to recipes. I never wanted to be a chef or I didn't want to show that I had like this incredible talent or this skill to build recipes that are really, you know, cutting edge or modern or fashionable in any kind of way. All I ever wanted to do was kind of put food into the context of real life. Because there's two kinds of people. There are people who will read a recipe and want to get the story from it. And there's another person who will just want to get to the food. And that's fine because then that separates it from being creative and it being a service. And that's okay with me. But I have to strike that balance because I'm not technical enough to be a service provider of recipes. But I'm also too creative to just go off and be like, oh, here's a story about my elaborate childhood. Oh, and here's a roast chicken. Yeah, <laughs> There has to be some kind of balance in the middle. So I take my food very seriously and I recipe test and I, you know, I would never publish a recipe if I didn't feel like it was, you know, solid and it worked and it spoke to something true and it was, you know, relatable to, you know, my readers and it was able to translate into the context of real life. But I also could never just be like, here's a recipe because recipes don't come to me that way in life anyway. They always have, not a sto- there's never like an elaborate story behind every recipe, but I'm I'm usually when I'm reading cookbooks, I'm usually really interested to know what does that recipe mean to that writer? Where did it fit in in their life? Where did it come from? How did it came to be? And that's the kind of writing I always want to provide to my readers. Yeah. Did you always cook? Never. No. The first um, I used to think I was really, really good and like skilled in university when I would cook. Um, I would boil pasta to the point of it being like a car tire. I'd squeeze in squirty mayonnaise over it and then I would just dump a can of tuna right on top, stir it up. And maybe I'd do this with the black pepper <laughs> just to make it really feel like I'd, you know, garnished, seasoned. That's, that um, every day. That's very um, English, Welsh, um, uh, in the sense of pasta with tuna and mayonnaise. Like, I don't... I don't even think it's English or much. I think it's just trash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, because I remember my first time abroad, um, and I am quite abroad... Um, the <laughs> I remember going into a shop and seeing like baked potatoes and they were selling baked potatoes. But like the most popular one was the one with tuna fish. Tuna. Mm-hmm. tuna. And I was like, oh, this isn't, this is interesting. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Like pasta with tuna. I mean, I guess we have tuna noodle casserole, but that's kind of like old school like old school i don't know very many people who who are like living in that tuna fish and pasta space uh, yeah i think it was very much i was the quintessential student i was that kind of stereotype of coming home taking things from cans and not because i was broke i was just extremely lazy and i thought cooking was just a waste of time it was it, i think we went through a phase i think in culture where like cook to not cook was cool Oh, I haven't got time for that. Oh God, I'm not going to cook. Oh, the only thing I can do in the kitchen, the only thing I can cook in the kitchen is a mess. It was that kind of culture. 30 minute meals. Hello. Yeah, I was very much part of that. An entire career of 30 minute minute meals in and out of the kitchen. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, no, don't get me wrong. A lot of my cooking is still rooted in, you know, I'll take whatever shortcuts I can get to the flavor as much as I can. I, I am absolutely, literally one of my most popular um, recipes on my blog is a sagaloo that I make with a tin of potatoes. So um, uh, what, uh, what did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> can you explain to the kids what, what a sagaloo is? So it's basically like a potato curry in a, in essence. And I took the bigger shortcut and I used um, oh. canned potatoes oh. um, because they're already cooked. They're soft. They absorb the flavor. I, when I wrote it, I knew that it was something, it was something I made and it was delicious and I loved it. And I thought, Oh no, I can't put that on. I can't put that on my website. That's just absolutely shaming. I, that is like, I'll be I'll never write again that was that was the most I, I couldn't I couldn't and then I thought well no it was an honest recipe that I made in my kitchen it was delicious it was well received and I thought oh well do you know what? there's got to be people out there who want that kind of you know shortcut in their life exactly exactly and I thought I thought it was one word sagaloo like <laughs> like Desi Arnaz sagaloo sagaloo I am no <laughs> <laughs> but it's sag alu, like alu, sa- like um, you know, a. like sag paneer, like mm-hmm. uh, it's it's Indian, it's the spinach, mm-hmm. it's spinach. I spinach, I'm with yes. you, I'm with you, I'm with you now. I I, I did so. <laughs> <laughs> I asked my my production team to like get that to me <laughs> real quick. <laughs> I remember being in uni actually, and I remember watching my friend um, make a carrot cake from scratch. And even though I grew up and my mum, you know, cooked, um, watching her make this carrot cake, even though it, you know, the end result was absolutely delicious, I remember watching her and thinking, wow, what a waste of time. Because I just remember thinking, oh, this just takes too long and the steps are just too boring and this is just not for me. So why so did I it went, change? Like, why did it change? Like, um, what well, changed? Li- li- living alone and not having the you know the comfort of other people cooking for me or my mother cooking for me was one thing so I thought okay well I enjoy food and so there has to be uh, there has to be a way that I cook that is realistic for me and I still get delicious food but you know keeps me in the kitchen for as little as time as possible and um at the time I was working as a marketing coordinator for a shopping center and I was working with a lady named Sharon and we used it was like that typical water cooler kind of conversation um, we, she would just tell me about all the meals she was cooking for her family. And she was a very realistic cook. She worked a nine to five job, just like me. She had a family to cook for. So she had more people in her house that she had to cater for. And she would just tell me about all these really easy recipes that she did. And I was just like, oh, it doesn't seem that hard. And that's the lady then who eventually bought me the book, which changed my life. And it, in through writing about food and recipes, it then opened up this whole new love that I have. As soon as, you, as, soon as I kind of dismantled cooking, and saw it for what it is versus what it provides, I found myself in the middle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And Dr. J, who was on the pod a million years ago at this point, um, or at least what seems to be a million years ago, because we've been in quarantine forever, the um, he uses uh, the kitchen, his whole shtick, um, for lack of a better word, is using the kitchen as a place of zen and gratitude. And... And that's how he finds his inspiration. I and I thought, oh, I guess, I guess that's what I unknowingly do myself in the in this space where it's just like finding, you know, not fi- not not just using it as its service, but like you know, finding what it means and yeah, and how how things affect you. And and I I'll send dinner photos to like some friends out there and whatnot, and they're always like, you don't why is your plate so pretty? And I was like, yeah, I don't really eat ugly food. I was like, all I did was cut the chicken, you know, <laughs> or something. So I love that night. Like Nigella Lawson was your, was your fairy godmother of food. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It was, I, it was very much a, um, as, as soon as I read, when I, when I finished her book, I felt like I knew her and it was, um, very much a moment for me where I was like, okay, well, this is the kind of writing that I, not the, excuse me, no, this, not the style of writing, but this is the kind of impact that I want to have through my writing. If I could just make somebody feel the way I felt when I finished that book, then I'd be happy. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And you know what? I love that you love Nigella Lawson so much that I have a really big surprise for you. She is uh, here today. No, she's no, not can, can you imagine? <laughs> I not only would I have fallen out of my skin, 
but you, I would I would have had to have snatched these earphones straight out and ran out. <laughs> but I have met her. I have met her. I, I have met imagine her. Imagine if if she just popped up. I'm such an ass. I know. <laughs> I well, I half believed you. <laughs> I know you did because your face was like, wait, what? I was like, what? Excuse me. <laughs> in your mouth, in your mouth, listeners. Just so you know, any guest that comes on this podcast doesn't really get uh, very much um, insight into what's happening. We we pop up on the Zoom meeting. I have like a really quick debrief because you know I like things to be candid and real on here, and so I gave Mikey the debrief, and we were off to the races. <laughs> Nigella's receiving her brief in a minute. She'll be on in two seconds. Yes, but she does listen. She does listen. I have it on good authority from her people to my people that she listens. Okay. Well, speaking of listening, I think now is a great time for you for you to take a breather and, a, and another sip of your champagne. <laughs> and for me to take you to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, a little bit of food news updates. Food news, Ooh, honey. You ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News update. Birthday cake, fruity pebble cereal is reportedly coming to stores next year. Do you have fruity pebble cereal in in Wales? I, I, um, every now and then, you can walk into a shop and they'll have like an American cereal, but not only will it be priced at like seven pounds or something which i don't know what the dollar equivalent is but you can just tell from the box that that is going to put you on the floor within two spoonfuls oh well fruity pebbles used to be my favorite when i was a kid i i haven't had a bowl of cereal in forever um you know but the fruity does that pebbles, have the toucan on it no that's fruit loops fruity um, pebbles is based on the flintstones oh wow right and it's like these little I mean, it, to think about it, it's supposed to be pebbles, like you're eating pebbles. It's literally, I don't know. They're just sugary. You made and, it sound great. Yeah, they're sugary and delicious, or at least <laughs> that's what I remember them being. And now that they've announced that their uh, 50th anniversary is coming up next year, and so they're re- releasing a birthday cake flavor for their 50th birthday. What's that going to taste like? Candles? Birthday cake candle. It's, yes, it's going to taste like wax, wax and <laughs> wax and char and regret <laughs> and age. Wow. Okay. No, but I'm sure that'll be delicious. I mean, if they're really sugary anyway, I mean, it, that sounds like it will give you a heart attack, but it's I mean, worth it. I mean, that's, that's, that's how I want to go. I mean, that's the only reason you eat cereal like this, like these kids' cereals, for like, you know, the sugar impact and the nostalgia. I eat cereal without milk sometimes. I'm disgusting. And I don't even put it in a bowl. I just oh. open up the box and just put the spoon like right in there. Oh, I do that with Parmesan cheese. <laughs> 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 but let me tell you something. If you take too much of a spoonful of that finely grated Parmesan cheese, depending where you get it from, especially the cheaper brands, it sucks all the moisture out of your mouth and then it becomes like the cinnamon challenge. And sometimes you're like, spit like parmesan cheese dust out i don't recommend <laughs> i wish i knew i wish i could i wish i could empathize i might go try it sounds great <laughs> well, I, picked, I picked this because next year fruity pebbles turns 50 and i turn 40 and you know what we're ce- we're celebrating together we are do you have plans for it no we're in court we're stuck you know, oh, I suppose you could party by yourself, though. I, I mean, I have been partying by myself, but I mean, if you tell me you haven't eaten a whole cake to yourself before, I, I won't believe you. Uh, I have, and how dare you? you know, <laughs> how dare, how dare you call me out? Come into my house and call me out <laughs> in such a way. <laughs> the nerve! The nerve! The nerve! Well, maybe I'll be celebrating this year with my own box of. Birthday cake, fruity pebbles. I am here for it. Or a mouthful of parmesan. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. Hidden Valley Ranch has holiday merch for you and your pet that will make for the cutest photo op. I'm realizing now that these are all American products. Do you have Hidden Valley Ranch there? 
don't think so. I mean, we probably have ranches hidden in the valleys, but I don't think no. we have <laughs> hidden valley ranch. You know, do you have ranch dressing? Like a Caesar's? No, Caesar's dressing is different than ranch dressing. They're both buttermilk based or they're they're both like milk based, I guess. Well, Caesar. I feel like ranch dressing is something I would order when I'm in America to feel American. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like sometimes I'll like I'll go, like sometimes I remember being in Vegas and um oh, may Lord strike me down for not remembering where I was, but I ordered a biscuit. Knowing exactly what it was, I didn't make that fool's mistake of thinking, you know, a British person going up and ordering a biscuit thinking it was going yeah. to be like a cookie. I went up knowing I was getting a a, biscuit. An, Amer- an American biscuit. But I knew for a fact I didn't want it. I only did it so I could feel the fantasy of being, an, a, you know, in, in an American place ordering something that is just absolutely not available here. I may have to put a care package together for you and send you some Please. Fruity Pebbles and some Hidden Valley Ranch. Because <laughs> there is nothing in the world like some Hidden Valley Ranch dressing. And they are not a sponsor. And I don't care that they're not a sponsor at this moment in time. Because <laughs> you put it on everything? Uh, you could. Down to a penis. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> and I've seen that done on Dirty Twitter. I have seen it done. You could find it on Dirty Twitter. Oh, ain't no ranch hidden enough for No, me it's that. like... It's like dill and buttermilk and citrus, but it's not, but because it's Hidden Valley Ranch, there's other preservatives that just make it delicious. Delicious. And it's very American. I'm very smitten with my Frank's hot sauce. That goes (gasps) on absolutely everything. Oh, yes. I'm never without a bowl. Their their tagline is, I'd put that shit on everything. Yeah, that would make absolute sense. Yeah. So Hidden Valley Ranch and Frank's Red Hot... Are, mm-hmm. are like a happy gay marriage. Yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I, I I don't know a source that's better. You can palm me off with like Tabasco or you can palm me off with like any other Louisiana stuff that I see in the shops and I just, I constantly return to it. I smuggle it on planes. Yeah, I got, don't worry. I'm going to build out, I promise. I'll build out a small care package. I'm going to send it to you. Because um, they do it by the gallon in America, don't they? I've seen yeah. it in the supermarkets. They do it in like those big like, milk oh, jugs. You need it Because you need it. But then, then you get um, Buffalo Ranch because you mix the Frank's Red Hot with the Hidden Valley Ranch and it's delicious. Wow. Delicious. Okay, I'm in. I'm sold. I'm in. So, well... <laughs> After that love letter to my non-sponsor, Hidden Valley Ranch, all of that to tell you, Mikey, that they have come out with merch, right? And they have had wow. merch through the years. I'm a big fan of their merch. It always ends up on my Christmas wish, wish list. Everything from varsity jackets to towels to dog toys to mugs to dog leashes to um, <laughs> to their, to women's uh, one-piece bathing suits that say, I put ranch on my ranch. To ranch at to pillows to button downs. There is even you can buy a refrigerator. I just saw it. Where'd it go? A refrigerator that costs nine hundred dollars that will forever be stocked with. Look, yeah, Hidden Valley Ranch for life. Nine hundred dollars. Oh my god! The brand of it all. The brand of it all. I know. Look at that. It's a. It was a limited special offer that you can get a lifetime supply and refrigerator. Oh God! For nine hundred dollars. God bless the person that drops that coin, though, because it won't Pe- be me. People, people love it. Look at, look. You can even have dedicated, uh, Re- Hidden Valley Ranch bottles. Just like, because you can doesn't mean you should. Uh, yes, you should. <laughs> With a Hidden Valley Ranch, you should. I'm saying that I have never tasted it, so I will. Uh, I take that. Delicious. I eat my words. I take that back. I'll, and you, you might see me with a ranch fridge next month, Jeremy. And actually, now that I'm seeing this, I didn't even notice this, that if you personalize a bottle, um, for every bottle sold, they donate $15 to Feeding America? I think so. Yeah. For every ranch or gram purchased. Yeah, look at that. That's nice that's, of them. Yeah, that's awesome. I am here for this. And we got to, maybe, you know what? Because I think Hidden Valley Ranch is a, fa- a fan of mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug it. And maybe they're just, they'll just send you a care package themselves. Because you need, <laughs> you need one. You just need one. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh, my goodness. 
KitchenAid shared the most popular stand mixer colors in every state, and we're adding them all to our list. Do you own a KitchenAid mixer? Like no, a stand I own a mixer. mixer. I own a stand mixer, um, but I, I don't. I don't use it. I never. I, I got. A, I don't like things on my kitchen countertop. I'm very minimal. I don't yeah. like washing up things. Oh, yeah, and who does? And I don't know. Are you in full quarantine, or how? How are we doing out there in Wales? Um, so Wales went into, uh, we call it lockdown. Yeah, which lockdown. Sounds so much more dramatic. Yeah. Um, but here. we, we, Wales went into its own lockdown, um, and came out of lockdown like a week before England went into lockdown. So now we're out of lockdown. England has just gone into one. So now we can, um, go to, sh- we can go to the shops and we can um, visit our friends as long as it's outside and in very small Is this small lockdown groups. number one or number two? Because I feel like we're about to hit number two. Yeah, we did number. So we had the big lockdown um, in the middle of the year. Then we came out of it and then Wales went into a second lockdown just not so long yeah. back. Yeah, we're, we're trailing right behind you, honey. But oh, um, fun. yeah, it's been dishes after dishes. All I feel like I do is dishes, right? And so I'm so tired of it. And living in can 120 be, can square I be 100% feet. Honest, though? Yeah. Can I be 100% honest? Like I've been in training for this my entire life because I'm like a creepy loser. I love my own. I, lo- I love staying indoors. I hate going out. <laughs> so I was literally in training for this my entire life. So when they announced like another lockdown, I was like, cool. Great. Do you live alone or do you have a do you no, have I live a in gentleman? my partner? Oh, oh. Yeah. Because I, I, I was about partner. to be like, you know what? Why don't we all just slide into Mikey's DMs here? <laughs> <laughs> There's a rule on the pod though. If someone slides into your DMs, you have to share. All right. <laughs> Anyways, I live in 120 square feet and I don't uh have counter space for a stand mixer, but KitchenAid uh, many moons ago sent me one, a hot pink one. And now that oh, there's um, one of those, what do they call them? A heat map and uh, of where the most popular KitchenAid stand mixer colors across the U.S. are and what uh, people's favorite things to make in them are. Isn't that, right. isn't that interesting? And yeah. KitchenAid found that its blue velvet color was the most popular as 18 states marked it as their favorite. Aqua Sky and Kyoto Glow. What the hell color is Kyoto Glow? It's the oh, most it's popular like, was blue. Yeah, so that's like a uh, slime green was the third. Kyoto Glow. Wow, very trendy, you know? I'm quite, I'm quite shocked that it was blue. I know. Mine's hot pink. I love my hot pink. I'd go for that. Or yellow. I'd probably go for a yellow. Hot. I mean, hot, glittery pink. It's my favorite nice. color. And then people's favorite things to make them, apple pie, pumpkin pie, baklava, which I found very interesting, and chocolate chip cookies were top four. Nice. Top four. You know, I'm here for a stand mixer, although I rarely use mine as well, just because... You know, lack of counter space and not wanting to do dishes these days. But um, stirring batter is like my cardio these days. Like I just don't go to the gym. So <laughs> that, that's the only thing that gives me that like that really good Michelle Obama forearm. Do you know what I mean? It's just like really whip it or do, just d- deliberately doing a pavlova by hand. Just you can really get that. We have found, and thank you for the for the title of this pod, which is "Stirring Batter Is My Cardio" <laughs> with Mikey Bell. And with that, I think that's a great way to end food news update. <laughs> oh my goodness! I, I'm sure food news update is nothing like the news cycle in Wales. Probably not. No. definitely not (laughs) well let's get to the good good and I want to hear all about this ebook that you released I actually got a preview you all because I am super special and it's actually really really uh, not that I'm surprised it's super cute I love all the photos I actually contacted a a photographer friend of mine who's doing some pro photos for me because I want to recreate your antlers photo because <laughs> I love it. I was like, I was like, why are we so far away and in lockdown that we can't recreate this 
photo. I, I did it in lockdown. You could definitely do it in lockdown. Yeah. So um, the ebook is gorgeous. I loved, I loved reading the stories and your intro. Folks out there, everything from baked artichoke dip down to Christmas fruitcake, spiced turkey gravy, orange maple carrots, gnocchi with sage and chestnut butter. And what and what better nuts are there than nuts on your chest? Is what right. I gotta say. With butter. With but with butter. Mm. With <laughs> butter. Um, so why an ebook and not a not um like an a physical book? Let's start there. Oh, good question. Um, I decided to do ebooks maybe two or three years ago. Um, because I wanted to write the book that I wanted to read. So I'm obsessed with cookbooks. I collect them. I have hundreds. They are stacked everywhere through my apartment. And I, I, kept, I was looking at these books and I was thinking, oh my God, I can do this, but I don't want to have to wait for somebody to give me the permission to do so. So to produce a book, you would have to get a publisher. You would have to go through editing. You would have to go through all these different hoops. And, you know, and the food world has completely turned on its head now. And now it's all about numbers. And if you're not, you know, an internet celebrity, if, you know, if you're not hitting all these, you know, big marks, you're never going to get a book deal. Yeah, which is, all our, which is all a racket anyway. And, uh, uh, and we're that's not, never my interest. Yeah, we're not going to get into it because it just makes me angry. But yes, I, no. I completely agree. I, I the well the promise I made to myself when I started all of it before I even had a website and I work in marketing so I analyze things like this for a living but the promise I made to myself at the start of this entire journey years and years and years ago was that I had no metric nothing would determine my success no clicks no likes no views no money nothing would determine whether I was successful or not the only thing that would determine my success is whether I enjoyed doing it or not and that was a promise I've kept yeah I love and, that um, um we're we're very similar in that way because this is like, I've had to reinvent myself in this food world uh, a few times now. And with this podcast, especially when I took it on solo, I'm like, I'm not going to be numbers crazy. I'm either going to mm. do it. I, I'm either going to do it for me or, or not do it at all. And, 100%. And yes, I, I look at the numbers every so often. Like I look at them, like I can't avoid them because when I pull up the site, like they're there when I upload. Uh, yeah when I upload an episode, but I don't obsess over them. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, and they're giving, you know, percentages and whatnot. I was like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm. But um, it's doing it that way. There's so much more joy to be found in. And freedom. Yeah. You know? And can I tell you, can I tell you something that Nigel Lawson told me? And if you give me two seconds, I'm just going to pick up that name I dropped. <laughs> um, I was, she, I asked her very specifically, because I remember she said something about in an interview um, that she used to write off her food writing. Like when she published her first book, she would always say stuff like, um, oh, it's only a food book. Oh, it's only a recipe book, like as in right now. And I asked her, I said, when did you start actually, you know, seeing the value in your own worth and seeing how important this was? And she turned to me and she said, when I stopped writing for the approval of others, I fell out of my skin. I, I hit the floor and I was like, okay, well, that makes complete sense. And it is totally in line with how I'm doing this. And it makes sense. So I didn't, when it came, when it comes to the eBooks, I didn't want my, not that I had an end goal, but I had a passion and I really wanted to see my work. I didn't want to, because obviously I was writing blogs, blog posts, which is great. It has a beginning, a middle and an end, but I wanted to have like a package. I wanted to tell a bigger story. And the only way I could do it was through a book. But again, like I said, I didn't want to wait for anybody to hand me that opportunity. I mean, I wanted to be able to take it in my own direction, in my own path, be my own editor, worked with some amazing people on pulling it together. Don't get me wrong. It was, I wasn't an island, but that satisfaction of when I went out was just incredible. And to have and people tell me that they'd read it and cooked from it was completely different. You know what I mean? And it's beautiful. And I haven't had a moment to cook from it, but I will because there's so many things that look delicious and i love Thank the you. i love like the cohesiveness with the with the photography and it's very very funny right um <laughs> like your intro twas the months before christmas and all through the kitchen and year you end with so merry christmas to all and to all a good bite love that put that on a t-shirt real quick <laughs> put that, before i do girl put it on a t-shirt before i Thank do you. <laughs> it's so very kind. very it's very very funny dare i even say gay 
Um, but like gay as in the old school term, like, you know, would have like, to be right. Would have to be, would have to be, would have yeah. to be. I thought uh, when I started writing it, I thought that this was going to be Mikey and Whoville. I was like, I want to go completely different from how I do things. I'm writing and photographing this book in the height of summer in a lockdown. I have to make it fun. I have to keep the energy up. I don't want to try and create a cozy Christmas. I wanted to create something that was just a little bit more fun because the the cozier I try to make it or the warmer or the... Um, the more stereotypically Christmas feel that I tried to give it, it would make it too specific for me. Whereas I wanted this book to appeal to a bit of a wider audience than I normally would have gone to, just because I wanted people to see themselves in this book more than they might have with Christmas books. Because Christmas books are so designed for big groups and that's just not going to be possible this year. Yeah, of course. Um, and, And I totally get that vibe. And But there's... There's obviously, in reading through this, because I've had this for a couple of days and I've taken sections, and I actually lo- love going out of order in things like this. Yeah. You know, to, to just pull things and like read little snippets, because then you get like, because then you get to like mull, you see what I did that? You get to <laughs> mull over like these ideas and thoughts, and there's a lot of you in this, and, and you kind of get a good sense of who you are as Mikey through through your writings and through these recipes. So it's really, really, really beautiful. Is, is Christmas like your favorite holiday? Um, uh, yes, it is, absolutely, because I, I grew up with, you know, my mother who just created a world of Christmas for us every year. It it, it was just the only way we could think of to round, round up the year was the way my mum did Christmas. Um, but I think as I've gone older, there is a sense of panic and there is a sense of chaos and stress around Christmas. The more you take on more responsibilities yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, especially now, and with not knowing what Christmas is going to look like, you have to be able to find some kind of stability and structure in Christmas just to keep you not only sane, but to also allow yourself to enjoy the season. And the only way I'm thinking of being able to do that is with food. So that's why a book like this was so important for me to write because it keeps me on an hour past just the same as it would for one of my readers. Yeah. the This book um, you have dedicated to your mom. Do you have a... Uh, do you have a... Uh, it seems like you have a great relationship. What is that like? And then twofold, what was coming out like? Oh, I, I, my mother is, I wish every gay man in the world had my mom as, as, as their mother. Um, she made coming, I, I, I don't, I came out of 13. So I, yeah. I came and, out and you're only, uh, you're all of 18 now. So I, I mean, I'm only 12. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think my mother did a very, very, very good job in she paid attention to me as a child. She um, she did a very good job of normalizing my organic behavior. So if I wanted to pick up a Barbie, there was no fuss made. There was no dramas around it. It was, ma'am, look, at, look how lovely her hair is. And my mother would be like, oh yeah, her hair is gorgeous. Should we brush it? It was, she just normalized everything. And she also made a very conscious decision at a very young age that she wouldn't say to me, when you get a wife or when you get a girlfriend, she would always say to me from a very young age, oh, when you get a partner, because it was just kind of uh, just paying attention to the child that she was bringing up and the child that she had had, if that made sense. So that's why at 13, when I, you know, knew that I was gay and I had an attraction to other men, um, I told my mother when I was tweezing my eyebrows and she was in the bath. <laughs> I don't like, I, I don't watch my mother bathe, but she had just I mean, come out of the bath. Uh, listen, uh, no, I think the audience can see that. You, uh, as children, like we're in the bathroom with our parents. It's a thing. Like, yeah, but was you as children tweezing your eyebrows? No. <laughs> <laughs> <Because> I was. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, and I, and, I, and I told her and she was... Uh, I think actually, I think I said to her, "Ma'am, I'm gay," and she went, "Oh, fab." And I, <laughs> and I, and I think it was as, and, I, and it was really as simple as that. And she obviously she told me she loved me, and it, it was she's she's my best friend. She, I, she, I, I would just wish her on for any gay man because it would just make their life so much easier. 
yeah, she's a, she's a, she's a phenomenal woman. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And my mom and I have a fabulous relationship as well. Although we we are the Bickersons, we love we love to bicker, <laughs> mom and I, <laughs> right? But it's a it's a healthy bicker, you know. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I, I say this all the time that not everyone's so lucky, right? Mm. And especially your 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 situation was like even beyond that to have, you know, there's something to be said about a mother's intuition, right? And then fostering that intuition being like, okay, I'm just gonna let this, let my son be who he is from the get-go, you know? Yeah. And not and, put that on anybody. And so that's really, really beautiful to hear. Yeah. And also kind of, it rubs off on you in the exact same way, because then now I find that I have this, huge amount of um willingness to just allow people to be who they are and live the way they do and you know it's definitely rubbed off on me in the sense of how I approach life and how I approach others because I'm you know if it's if it's not me it's nothing to do with me do you know what I mean and so it's it it was definitely a um I don't I know I I can't I can't speak for my mother and say that it was strategy but it it definitely paid off it, it, it paid off in the long run she was like, she's like, yeah, it was completely strategy. She, she's sitting there being like, spreadsheets. Yep, I can't wait because by this age, she's going to be dressing me and then I never have to go shopping for myself again. And then by this age, he'll be cooking for me and then I never have to set foot in the kitchen again. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, I was technically straight. She molded me. She wanted, she wanted a gay son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could have been married with three kids by now had it not been for her stepping in the middle. Selfish. Damn Selfish. you. Damn Selfish. you, Sandra. Is that your mom's name, Sandra? Paula. Oh, Paula. Sorry. <laughs> well, damn you, Sandra, anyway. And we love you, Paula. Shout out to you, Paula. Um, you know, you got to love gay moms. And shout out to all the moms out there just holding it down, holding it down for us. You know, hundred percent, and having they, they're allies by default. Do you know what I mean they are yes. allies by default? Most, most, not all, but most. Mm, so, true. for sure, if you wanted people uh, back to your book, right? Because mm. speaking about you, like you know, giving of yourself and and just being and being very comfortable in your own skin, which shows through this book for sure. This ebook, um, if there was one thing that you wanted people to walk away with from this fabulous book what would that be the main thing i want people to take from this book is that a celebration is absolutely not dictated by the numbers around your dinner table um something that did um i have like like i said earlier i have a lot of cookbooks and a lot of them are christmas books and there is this romanticized idea that christmas is for the many and there's hundreds of people around the table and there's um so many people coming in at all hours, all coming, you know, everybody gathering together, which is true in a sense. However, that is not the reality for a lot of families. I belong to a really big family, but my Christmas dinners was only ever four of us. It didn't make our celebration any smaller. It didn't make the joy any less amazing to feel. And it didn't make Christmas a pared down version to those with a massive family. And when I was writing this, when I started writing this, actually lockdown wasn't a thing. So I started this in January. So quarantine and lockdown wasn't even uh, on the table. And I was very specific when I was writing this that I wanted to make sure every recipe could be scaled up or enjoyed down. So even if you were just one person cooking this, this meal, you can still get enjoyment out of every single recipe, even if it's just one person. And then when lockdown came into play and I realized that Christmas is so... Um, uncertain right now of how many people you're going to be able to have in your house. There are going to be people who are in isolation. It, the, the book rung even truer for me. And I was like, okay, well, I have to release it because it was going to be released next year. And I was like, oh, no, no, this has to come out this year because this is, this is the message that has to be delivered right now. Yeah, and that is that Christmas, Christmas can be enjoyed no matter who you are celebrating with or how many of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were, are you Christmas Eve people or Christmas Day people? Christmas Day. Christmas Day, right? Because uh, I don't know if that's a thing over where you are in Wales, but here um, you either 
like that there's either or like people either sell celebrate christmas eve or christmas day or do you know everyone has their own traditions and we were always we still are always christmas day people so mm. when i moved into this apartment um i started spending christmas eve alone right and mm. i was like oh this and that but then i started making it a thing where it was like yeah maybe me alone or me with a friend and i'd and i'd always i started cooking game like game meat nice yeah absolutely because that wasn't a thing growing up in my puerto rican household so like Got, yeah. there would be you know pheasant and <laughs> and duck and whatever else uh rabbit what would you um, cook with a Portuguese Christmas out of interest? A uh, uh, Puerto Rican Christmas? Uh, Puerto Rican Christmas is is pork shoulder and rice and beans. And it's a mishmash oh, wow. of like different, different delicious, amazing things. Gorgeous. Lots of pork. Lots of nice. pork. Nice. Um, and then I found myself, I'm not the holiest of people. But um, I, li- I like going to Midnight Mass. I grew up Catholic. I like going to Midnight Mass. Um, just for, because there's an even song that happens beforehand. And so I'll get drunk in my apartment, nice. walk, over, walk over to Christmas mass, and then everyone's singing, I'll sit in the back and everyone's singing the carols. Like, oh, you just, you just go duck walking down the aisle. Right? No, I, you know, I, I grew up singing. So I am in the back screaming my guts out, being like, oh, Amazing. <laughs> and people are looking at me and I'm and I point I point to the bulletin where it says it says please sing along, okay? <laughs> and then I get my like, you know, Christmas carol fix and you know, I leave before the mass starts cuz then we get like 3 hours of church is a lot or however long it is. And, wow. And then I like go home and then I wake up at Christmas day and you know, do the family thing. But I, so, I think that's beautiful. So I I all of that long story long to say that I I really love that message and I love I love that sentiment and um I love the book. I love the book. It came Thank out so really, really gorgeous and you should um be very, very proud of what you have accomplished this year with this ebook. Let the kids know where where they can find it. They can find it at Mikeyandthekitchen.com. All right, so that's the website, www.mikey, and thekitchen.com. Go, uh, what's the ebook cost? Does it cost anything or is it free? No, it's completely free. Oh my God. Folks, this is gorgeous. This is gorgeous <laughs> and it's free. Oh my God, just like the two of us. I am it free and free. gorgeous. But, <laughs> <laughs> so the least you can do is go give him the download uh, just to take a look at how beautiful it is. And maybe you'll find a new favorite um, holiday recipe. Something like orange ginger beer and smoked sugar ham, for instance. Or maybe a little Marmite bangers and creamy... Oh, I don't know if I could do the Marmite, but... <laughs> no. No, it's so Marmite, good. You know, like you're either for it's like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. You're either for it or you're not. <laughs> do you do Boxing Day in America? Is that an American no, thing? That's Canadian. Is that Canadian? Canadian. I don't even know. Because we do that, it here too. We do it I, here. I have no idea what that is. I just know it happens. I, I think there's, oh God, there is some kind of history behind Boxing Day, but what it's become for me is just a day in your pajamas enjoying all the gifts you had the day before and eating all the leftovers well isn't that every day these days <laughs> basically so but there's gifts <laughs> and there's turkey left over true but with the way i'm spending on amazon these days there's always oh, something God, coming coming well folks one more time that website is Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y, and thekitchen.com. You can also show him all the love on Instagram at I'm, I am, Mikey Bell. Uh, so please give him all the likes, all the follows. Slide into his DMs if you want. I don't know how far it'll get you, though, but I'd love to see the photos. <laughs> 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 and with that, I'm going to say thank you so much for giving me of your time and coming, flying all the way from Cardiff just to be with me on my big gay podcast. You are now part of the real food wives or whatever I'm calling it. Of We should do a shot of absinthe. Um, yes, a shot of absinthe. <laughs> and gonna, listen, it, it's nighttime there. I, I still have a full day. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you so much again. This has been really Thank great. Thank you for and, having um, me. I was so excited to finally meet you and connect. And um, yeah, it's an honor and a privilege to hear oh, your story and same. have you on my uh, on my podcast. Um, folks out there, well, we're off to the races. It's the holiday season. Get your holiday shopping in early, right? Because the post office and FedEx and UPS are going to be packed, jammed, or jam-packed, and there really isn't very much uh, going on, you know, there's, uh, as far as shopping-wise. You know, let's, let's keep the shopping simple this year, maybe. Maybe, maybe uh, hit up the crafty lumberjacks, and since we're all going to be mostly inside or stuck inside, you can do some holiday crafts and keep it cheap and cheerful and, and from the heart. Other than that, I'm going to remind you to please download Mikey Bell's uh, ebook called Get Stuffed. Also this Friday, out comes the documentary about Operation Santa called Dear Santa via IFC Films. It's a good one. And I have a very sappy eight minutes in it. It is so good, <laughs> folks. I'm, I'm so excited to see the full thing. I can't wait. If you want a sticker, slide into my DMs. And you can always buy me a coffee and show me some love at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Munoz. And I think that's all the business we have for today. Uh, big thanks again to you, Mikey. Um, I can't wait till you come back to Kiki with me again on the pod. And with that, I'm going to say thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth! Jingle of the Bay.